every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning. 8 o'clock, your outdoor living hour, third Saturday of the month. We have Jay Harper in taking questions about anything relating to your plants, gardens, uh, landscapes, lawns. I'm sure we'll talk about lawn transitions today, how long to keep the winter lawn, can you still fertilize and get six more weeks. I'm sure we'll talk about uh, gardening as we get into the hot, as we're getting into our warmer months. But we'll take any questions. Do you like to join the conversation? It's one triple eight. 767-4348. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Text questions can be sent to 411-923, or you can email us info at rosieonthehouse.com if you want to snap a picture and send it to us if you need a little help with plant or insect identification. Good morning, Mr. Jay Harper. How hey, are you? Hey, good morning. Happy uh, spring. Happy spring. Yeah. I meant uh, to look that up. Is it the it's the twentieth or the twenty-first, but we're close enough. Yeah, it's it was one of those days. It, it's either here or about to be here. It okay. happened at two thirty-five this morning. I this think. morning, okay. Two thirty-five so, this morning. All right. all right, there you go. Everybody woke up and went ah. <laughs> but if you haven't been outside lately, uh, it's hard to believe why you wouldn't be outside this time of year. And oh. you just you can just smell it. The orange, orange. The citrus are are blossoming. The the uh, sweet acacias are blossoming. The Texas mountain laurels just about to finish blossoming. You can, you can just smell the aroma of spring in the desert. It's pretty fantastic. It is one of those b- bittersweet things because you know the well, you know, yeah, we're, yeah, you know we're, we're coming, ramping right? up to the summer, but it is a very enjoyable time of year with everything uh, blooming out. Maybe we could just change, if we could do like the daylight savings time thing, just and freeze it. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of freeze the time. Uh, that would be awesome. But uh, yeah, so it, it's time to, we, we talked about, you talked about it coming into the show. It's time to, you know, to be planning for warmer weather because it, it will get here, uh, always does. And, uh, you know, somebody was walking with Mark Twain, I think it was one time during a rainstorm. He goes, do you ever... Sp- you suppose it'll stop raining? He said it always does. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it always will get. It's going to get warmer. Make sure you know as you're out spending some time in the garden. Now maybe you're doing more fun things like planting a tomato plant or maybe planting some some colorful flowering things around your house. You know, check that irrigation system. Let's not wait till that first hundred degree day. Uh, and something starts to wilt or look brown or look bad, uh, let's start looking at it now, turn it on, run it, make sure they're all going in the right direction and putting water out where the water's supposed to be and not putting water where it's not supposed to be and, and that sort of stuff. So get it fixed now before it's too, before it's hot. Um, start, you know, maybe thinking about adjusting watering schedules. Hopefully you've had your watering backed way off and even had the opportunity to turn it off a couple of times with a couple of recent rains that we've had. Um, so, you know, be ready to, to maybe adjust it forward just a little bit as we warm up. Although, I, you know, I'm looking at the forecast. I don't see anything terrible in, in sight. But uh, be on the lookout, be on the ready, because it, it'll get here. But uh, next month is the month we want to start really forcing our winter lawns to to expire. Um 
don't want to get let them go much past the middle or the end of April. So as we get to mid-April and things start to warm up a little bit with your lawns, don't don't increase the water. Leave the water alone. Uh, start mowing shorter, getting that ryegrass stressed out a little bit. We wanna we wanna kind of pretend like we're we're not taking very good care of it by mowing it short, burning it up, not increasing the water. And then as we get maybe close to the end of April, we want to just maybe even quit watering it for a couple of weeks and really scalp her down. So that by about Mother's Day, you know, early part of May, you know, it's you you probably have a little bit of a brown looking yard. Get in there and maybe dethatch it and get all that ryegrass thatch out of there so that underlying Bermuda grass can start thriving and getting more sunshine down to the roots and and warming that soil up and so it can take off. And we had a text question as you were going through that, ask you know can when is the best time to dethatch and aerate? And do you do both of those at the same time? We sure could. I, I mean, it, it would make a lot of sense since you're already messing with the yard anyway. Um, uh, you would want to, you know, you might as well. I mean, if you're going to do both, um, you'd want to uh, go ahead and dethatch. Get with your neighbors and, and go together and rent a, a, an aerifier. They're kind of heavy and cumbersome for one person to to try and get. You usually come on a little trailer. If you have a little trailer, they're super heavy for a reason. They've got to get those tines driven down into the soil. And, and if it's too light, they just bounce um, <laughs> in especially, our heavy clay soils. Yeah, especially if you're ground you know if you're doing it for the first time yeah. on that ground it just skips across the top. <laughs> and just make sure that you've watered you know probably in the last 48 hours you've given it a good watering uh, you don't want it to be muddy but it, it needs to be wet enough that those those hollow tines can be driven into the ground um, sometimes you have to put a little weight on them i've seen guys take uh you know concrete blocks <laughs> cinder blocks and, and wire a couple of them together on top of them to give them some weight or a bag or something. But uh, they're pretty heavy, and, and it doesn't take any longer really to do that than it does to mow your lawn. You're just running it across across the lawn. So, you know, they charge by the hour or half day or whatever. Get get two or three neighbors together on the thatching and on the uh, airification. Rent a couple pieces of equipment. Maybe one of them's got a pickup or a trailer that you can borrow. And uh, get down to some place like A to Z Rents and get you that stuff rented and, and get her knocked out. But May is probably as early as you want to really do it. You don't want to dethatch too early when that Bermuda grasses are not growing fast yet. I mean, it's still too cold. They're not, they're not actively growing. Um, so we want to wait until they're able to regenerate and regrow. So I'd say early to mid-May is about as early as you want to do that. You know, maybe you want your yard to look good until Mother's Day. You've got people over, that sort of thing. Then attack it the next weekend. Could I still give it a good shot of fertilizer and get a good six, eight weeks out of it? I'm not planning on letting the Bermuda grow. So I'm just going to try and well, milk the rye along well, that's as a whole long other, as I can. Well, that's a whole other issue then. If you don't have an underlying ryegrass lawn um, and you don't care – uh, about that transition, so to speak, then s- absolutely 
you'll want to fertilize it. You'll want to up the water. You'll want to not mow it too short. Um, you want to continue to take care of it just like you are now. So it will need more water. And one of the ways to try and extend the, the length of the time on a, on a winter lawn is is to let it grow a little bit longer. In fact, that's a good water-saving tip for your Bermuda grass lawns in the summertime. Do not mow them so short. Um, the, the more that, that those blades of grass or that canopy shades the root of the soil, the longer it will stay wetter and cooler down there. So you will help the lawn as well by not mowing it quite so short. So maybe even lengthen instead of shortening the mowing height to extend that. You ought to be able to get it, frankly, um, if you don't mind watering pretty frequently, you, don't, you ought to be able to get it into the monsoons. It, usually what does our, our ryegrass is in for good are those first few nights that it, you know, the, the nighttime lows like 92 or something ridiculous like that. That'll, that does them in typically. So I would not be surprised that you can't get it to go that long. We're taking your advice and, you know, I was like, we're constantly, one, you know, it's, there's never a cool time to mow your Bermuda in the summer. <laughs> and not, not once it, about July hits, no. They, it, they don't cut great when they're wet, so it's not like you can turn the sprinklers on and go mow. And you, you were never out here in the summer on the lawn. Why, why are we even wasting our time and effort with it? So we're just going to milk the, the rye long as long as we can and, and plant as early as we can with a good, uh, you know, topsoil covering on it and try and get it up by halloween oh well we can have it way before that if you want but you know if you're not worried about overseeding bermuda again there's no bermuda there to worry about you could do your rye grasses in september easily um so you know from september to june we've got pretty nice lawn june july and august who like i said <laughs> look at look at it through the window it looks pretty good, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> the guy that mows it gets to look at it real good and sweat and cuss at it while he's mowing it. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of time and effort and water for you know very little use. And you you mentioned it before that if we don't take care and do our own managing, that you know that's only going to force regulations. And I saw a perfect example of that um, near the station. There mm-hmm. is a median down this road. That's mm-hmm. probably only 12 inches wide, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, whose idea was that? Right? And it's all grass. <laughs> and I got here, and the this was after it rained. So was that last week? Last or two weekend weeks ago? it rained. Yeah, last weekend. Well, so it had just rained, and I pull in, and the sprinklers are going. I leave the station six hours later, and those sprinklers are still going. On a 12-inch strip of grass. In the middle of a asphalt. Yeah. It's like, why are you and even it, wasting? And it's a commercial area to boot. So right. there's nobody <laughs> here on the weekends to even look at it or whenever to look at it. Yeah, I, I don't know why that, you know, well, there's a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense in some <laughs> situations. But, uh, yeah, try. how would you like to be the poor guy that has to mow and edge that? <laughs> <laughs> My guess is they probably mow it with the edger. With probably, the yeah. Yeah, like you said, a lot of things that don't make sense, but we're here to help them make sense. And if right. you're trying to make sense of your landscape or garden, one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Here I've been the-
treetop all the day long, hopping and a bopping and a singing his song. All the little birds on Jaybird Street love to hear the robin go tweet tweet tweet, rockin' robin, tweet what a beautiful time to be outside. And we're in a state where you have such a great variety of uh, things you can plant and grow, native, non-native. Um, the nurseries at this time of year, the amount of colors and the aromas. And uh, we just had some rain recently. That always makes a desert smell, uh, that, that distinct creosote aroma. And we've got a texter who wants to know, is it too late to plant tomatoes? Not at all. Um, you know, it, we're still, what, we're just mid-March. I mean, ideally, you, you should have planted them by now, but you, you'll still make tomatoes. I mean, I wouldn't go buy the smallest tomato plant I could find. I, I, you're too late from seed. You definitely want to plant a started plant, and I would find one that's pretty good size if I could. Um, but absolutely, um, you just may not get quite as many as the guy that started in early February. So. And what, what are your types of varieties as they're walking through the nursery? Is there a... Of tomatoes? Oh, gosh. We could do a whole show on that. Um, you know, there are, there are thousands, I suppose, um, of varieties of tomatoes. And if you, I always joke that if you asked, you know, a quote-unquote expert or experts, if you asked 10 experts which their favorite varieties were, you'd get 20 because <laughs> they can't even think of one themselves. Um, so there are, there are lots of them. I think especially now, uh, as you're into March, you'd want to find one that's, that's fairly early, uh, quick producing. So something that's like an early girl uh, or a champion or celebrity, something that's got that you look at a tomato label it'll tell you you know 15 or 55 days or 70 days or what that means from the time it sets its first true leaf so when a tomato comes up through the ground and it's got either false leaves or immature leaves we call them and then they develop that leaf that looks like a tomato plant from the time that starts it's that many days till you should have fruit on the plant roughly so you don't want to probably pick a variety now that's 90 or 100 days because you know we may get into a lot of heat by then and once we get certain temperatures going especially at night the pollen of the tomato plant becomes less viable or not viable at all and you'll quit setting fruit so pick something that's a short variety you you, you really can't go wrong with early girl it's not the the biggest tomato uh, but it's very reliable Champion is still a, a good one. Celebrity is, I think, my all-time favorite. Oh, there's a couple of varieties. There I said it, a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, appreciate the text. There's a couple of varieties and good direction for you going forward. Will they need uh, pollinators on tomato plants or are they self-pollinating? No, they're self-pollinating, but you have to have conditions that will help them pollinate, like insects or bees or you know, air movement, um, something to move the pollen around. Um, some people will even go as far as taking like a feather duster and just kind of lightly brushing it over the top of their tomato plants, kind of creating some movement um, and, and have the flowers kind of move around and the pollen scatters and moves from one part of the flower to the other. Um, so that was a good idea, and, and typically, even including myself, 
my tomato garden, my, my garden is on my little side yard of my house. A little protected <clears throat> from wind and breeze. So it's and- protected from all that stuff. Um, so don't always get the best pollination in a real protected area. Although we get protection from the hot sun, it lengthens the time that garden stays nice. So, you know, you can have some issues with, with pollination if you put a garden in a real protected secluded area as well. John, I have a question for you. I was actually at a client's home, and um, they know I'm vegetable challenged. <laughs> uh, but they asked me. They we're going to get Webster to create a new word. <laughs> yeah. um, Harper's Nursery historically had a soil formula. Mm-hmm. Um, how can that be found, and where can the materials be sourced? Because they're they're doubling their garden size, and he's lost track of that formula. Well, I tell you what, I don't know that any of our old websites are still available. Oh, really? The, uh, uh, but um, why don't we do this? Why don't I recreate it, and you guys can put it on your website? Oh, that would. Uh, someone specifically asked that of okay. me this week. I will find it, or I will recreate it. I mean, I have it memorized, and. Uh, and then we can, I can send it to you, and you can post it, put it on your website, do it, do whatever you want to do with it. How's that? That that'd be great. Okay, absolutely. Okay, we did get a question this week. Somebody wanted us to ask, uh, what are good plants for attracting pollinators to their yard? <clears throat> That's a great, great question. We were just talking about you have to have pollination. Wind will do it. Also, pollinators will do it. Bees, hummingbirds, butterflies, any of those nectar loving insects or or animals that will move it around so really almost anything that flowers will attract pollinators Um, but some of the best things are trumpet shaped orangish colored things Uh, you know the the varieties of tacomas like uh, sparky and sparklet and um, bells of fire uh, anything that's pretty fragrant, like uh, you know, Rose Banksia, Lady Banks Rose, uh, any of the jasmines will will attract them. Uh, so, anything that's got a good odor to it, if you can find them, they'll generally attract them, and and do a good job of that. If you'd like to talk to Mr. Harper, it's one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. <clears throat> Going to the bottom of our news break. We'll be back shortly. Continue our conversation. On the topic of water, I didn't see exactly where all the snow fell in Colorado this last week. I heard it sure got dumped on pretty big. The good news to that is just uh, as of uh, February 23rd, about a month ago, the average snowpack, we were only we were at 86% of the annual average snowpack for our watershed down to the Colorado, which is a big part of where we get the, our water in the state of Arizona. So I would imagine... You know, that other 14% probably fell this week. If we got more than two one. and a half inches, it was we've surpassed the, the annual average. And and the Texas freeze has people moving to Arizona. California, just by nature of what California is, has people moving to Arizona. I had a friend in Denver, lives 
in a condo above George Washington Park, showed me videos of families in snowshoes taking children to the park. <laughs> so I'm quite sure we'll have some Coloradans moving to Arizona. Third worst snowstorm in Denver's history. I mean, it was a it was a humdinger. Wow, I didn't realize that. Wow. Third That's, worst in Denver. I know, I mean, it was years ago they had what they call it Snowzilla there or something. It was a few years ago. <laughs> it was pretty bad. But, uh, um, and that, that snowpack doesn't, and that's why I, I, I want to look where all that snow landed because Denver's, you know, that. That's not in the Colorado River watershed. You know, they're right. on the opposite side of the mountains for that. They, that ends up, I think, in the in the Red River, Nebraska, or something. Yeah, over know. in the Mississippi, eventually yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those Rocky Mountains got dumped. Good, that's good. You that's good. Well, it. and there's still time. I mean, it's only mid March, so bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> bring it on. But yeah, if you're, uh, if if you know, with I suppose with with COVID and people are working from home, they can work about anywhere from anywhere they want. If you have the right job, you know, why would you want to, why would you want to live in some of these places if you do not, know, do you no longer have to make that commute into that city or, uh, or do that and live in some place that you can be playing golf right now? Um, makes us pretty attractive. Um, fastest growing county in america right now which is you know it, again it's uh it's kind of like spring it's bittersweet <laughs> national with, weather service uh came out with their forecast for precipitation uh let's say june july august keep your fingers crossed they've above, got an a yeah right by there above average we're above average i saw that the other day that's the projection to Correct. be above average right right well, we could use a couple above average. We yes, had a couple of years of below average, so yes, maybe it's good. Maybe that cycle's coming back around. A few good well, wet, good monsoon. Come on, La Nina. <laughs> Would be good. Would be good. We need the moisture, every, you know, all over the Southwest, not just Arizona. But uh, yep. Now with this warming weather, John, we're talking about spring vegetables and whatnot. Um, I mean, couldn't couldn't. Sh- Shouldn't you and couldn't you just be pre-emerging every square inch of your yard right now? Now's the time to put pre-emergent down where you don't want any seasonal weeds or grasses to come up. We usually, if we had to pick two dates and generally pre-emergent, you have to do twice a year, we would pick the first day of fall and the first day of spring. So the fall application would, in theory, keep all of the stuff from coming up after the winter rains that we've just gone through now what you're putting on will control any late spring rains and the monsoon rains from generating unwanted weeds and grasses so just make sure at some place you don't want to eventually plant seeds it doesn't hurt if you're going to plant a tree or a shrub something that's already germinated and has a root ball and is a is a growing thriving plant you can dig a hole and plant those um but anywhere that you might want to plant, you know, some seeds like a vegetable garden, or if you're going to seed a Bermuda grass lawn, don't pre-emerge it <laughs> ahead of time, or you'll be you'll be uh, disappointed in the results of that. You could hit it with <clears throat> a spray uh, to kill any weeds that were there. Oh, absolutely! Any post post emergent as opposed to pre-emergent, so something that you would spray on the 
the leaves or stems of a growing weed or grass, that's fine. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't inhibit us from planting seeds in the ground. Well, we've got a very unique weed uh, strategy at our house, but on the topic of weeds, Glenn has jumped onto the conversation from Peoria. See how we can help him first. Glenn, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, fellas. Um, so, you know, we got rain for the last couple of weeks. Uh, every time it rains, the weeds just keep on getting higher and higher. Uh, well, not higher. I've been putting that uh, ground clear stuff on them, and they go away. Uh-huh. But every time it rains, it multiplies. So my front yard is completely full of weeds. And okay. I was going to spray them again, but I got that pre-emergent. So I'm not sure if I should spray the weeds dead and then put on the pre-emergent or can I put on the the nice thing about pre nice thing about pre-emergent Glenn it, it, it is that you can you have to water it in anyway so if you want to apply it ahead of time and then go out and spray you know that's that's fine but remember you have to water that pre-emergent in so you you don't want to get your weed killer or your post-emergent too wet after you apply it. So one thing I would probably do, if it was me, I'd put the pre-emergent in. I would give everything another really good soaking or watering, which would also, anything that's already germinated, that's laying there, that's that's sprouted that you might not see, might give it a little boost. Because believe it or not, that stuff that we want to kill, the, the faster it's growing and the the more young and tender and luxuriant the foliage is on it, the easier it is to kill it. So pre-emerge, water heavily, maybe wait a day or two, and then hit it with the post-emergent and, and, and kill all that stuff that's already up and sprouted. Alrighty, That was my question. Thank you for the answer. You're welcome. And I don't know your particular situation or your... Uh your yard or what any parameters have it we got extremely overrun uh they they got ahead of us and we just you know with our our schedule (laughs) it came came springtime last year we were looking at pictures the other day and we 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 were losing kids in our yard from last year the weeds Yeah. yeah yeah sure so we we hit it with everything i mean i had a sickle in some areas um we had the weed dragons out there, you hook it up to a propane tank and you burn it. Uh-huh. Uh, hula we, we had goats out there eating away, but you have to be careful with them because if they get close to a tree, they'll strip they the bark off. They don't distinguish between a, a fruit tree and a, and a ragweed. No, no, they'll, they'll, and they'll strip the bark off a tree. We've yeah. lost more than one tree that way. Yeah. So there's limited areas you can do, but we finally, after, you know, two or three months of, knocking and killing and burning everything that was there uh invested a few hundred bucks in a 40 gallon tank sprayer uh that okay. just hooks up behind the at pull it behind mm-hmm. oh yep. and every every other weekend uh i'll fill it up and go just besides that makes spot. it kind of fun anyway <laughs> but put your headset on listen yeah. to your radio and you know it takes about an hour to hit uh you know the the entire property, and just go around and look for any areas that are coming up, and uh, it, it it that has made a huge difference. Well, and it's just you know the right tool, the right equipment. The easier you make it, the more the more apt you are to to do it and do a good job of it. 
Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I, I see people, you know, wandering around their big yards with these little ready-to-use things and, and squeezing that thing with their hand. I'm, if you've tried to do that for very long, man, you got carpal tunnel. <laughs> you know, pretty darn quick. It, it's, it's hard on your hands. Make, get at least get a pump-up sprayer that holds some pressure that all you have to do is squeeze a a little lever and, and that stuff will come out and then you just pump it up again. Uh, make it as easy as you can on yourself to do a good job. And, you know, it's like working on a car. If you don't have the right tools, it's frustrating. So, And it really helped with the kids because anytime like, why are you going on the spray? I'm like, it's either this or you remember last year we spent every weekend for three months out there working, what would you rather do? They're, you, they're all on board. They'll you, even help. You like those blisters from the hula ho? <laughs> They'll even help me now. Like, hey, there's some over here. You got to go. We yeah, saw some yeah, coming over there. Yeah, make it fun. It, yeah. Everyone's on weed patrol. Rick and Mace is next on the line. Welcome to the program. How may we help you? Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I've been told by grounds people and people that uh, – Vinegar and little distal spraying your weed uh, works. Does that work or not? You said vinegar and dish soap? A little dish soap in there. Uh-huh. Huh? Um, yeah, so, it, you know, anytime you can kind of coat the leaf and cover it with some type of oily substance, generally will burn it up. Um, I don't know how much to tell you to use at a time. You'd have to play with it. Um, uh, but, and, but it does, it, it, yeah, it, it'll work. Now, the difference between that and, and certain, we, it does not distinguish between a weed or a grass. So if you've got weeds in your lawn, it'll also burn your lawn. So, you know, just be aware that it's, it's what we would call a non-selective herbicide. It's going, to, it's going to kill or damage anything you put it on. It's also not systemic. So if you were out in gravel areas spraying it and you didn't want it to come back if you do that it's just going to kill the top or whatever you touch if the roots stay alive and it's early enough in the season they will regenerate and regrow so you may have to do multiple applications but yes in theory and in general some people do use concoctions i'll call them of some sort of of soaps and oils and vinegars and things and and they do they do work yes there's another thing. It, it's not very practical in a large application, but if you're on a smaller area, and, it, and it's not attractive either, but <laughs> there's solarizing where they'll take plastic and they'll yeah. cover it and keep it on there for six months during the hotter times. Yep. And, you know, the theory is it heats up and burns anything up that's underneath it. And that plastic keeps anything new seed from falling on top of it from monsoons or storm. But I mean, it's such a like I said, it doesn't well, look more good. of an application <laughs> if you have a vegetable garden area that you're willing to let go fallow for a few months during the late summer, and it, it cover it with clear plastic and and let it solarize it. You know, we've, organic farmers will do that. You know, in in areas it does it works fine, but you've got to you've got to be able to just dedicate an area that you don't want to have anything growing and have that plastic laying on it for a while. But so not really very practical for your landscaped areas, but if you've got, you know, a, a, a garden plot, a vegetable garden plot, it's, you know, it's a very acceptable practice. Well, we appreciate the call, Rick. Let us know if uh, you test it, how it works, and what your, uh, what your measuring proportions are. Right. It's a beautiful. 
Now, that's hard to hear while you're stuck inside a studio for a couple more hours. <laughs> it, it, it is such a beautiful day from and where I can no see There are no windows to open here or nothing, is it? You just got to look out there and go, hmm, looks nice. Looks nice, <laughs> looks nice, but yeah, we'll get there soon enough. And it was uh, about 55 degrees when I left the house this morning, which was perfect uh, temperature. And, you know, there's just something about... Uh, you know, of all the citrus, you could see all the, you were talking earlier, the buds are coming out and mm-hmm. you, you're starting to see the new, uh, leaf push come out. Um, just something about that new leaf growth and that dark, deep green, rich color. And it's just, you know. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just that time. It's just a, a little, this little swice slice of heaven. You walk out, we went, um, out to eat last night just a little neighborhood joint and you walk out and then outside of the restaurant and it's getting dark and just right before dark and it's not cold you know and it's it's just perfect temperature and the smell is in the air it's just like wow this is all oh, the the ash trees are all blooming out and yeah. the, the, it, the bees just come from out of nowhere you oh, know, we yeah. won't see bees all year long and those ash trees start blooming out well you're asking just... about a pollinator there's there's a there's another one uh Citrus trees, ash trees, they'll they'll they'll, uh, they'll attract some bees in your garden. So, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, it's very vibrant right now. And for fertilizing, I know we usually are for citrus. We might be a little after Valentine's Day. Is it too late or not is at it all? A- nope, not at all. Uh, you know, it's uh, you you'd really ideally want to be putting that that nutrient on before this flush or push of new growth is occurring but uh this you can fertilize lightly now and again after that i tell people once that fruit sets and gets about the size of a golf ball so maybe mid to late may or early june uh, another fertilization to help them you know kind of support all that crop that's set on there is a good time to do it Um, just make sure if you're if you're fertilized this goes for any time of year but more so as it warms up and we're watering more frequently, just never apply fertilizer of any kind to a plant that is in need of watering. Water first, you know, your normal irrigation, you know, maybe time your 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 application of fertilizer or just go ahead and, and run a cycle and water it and then apply your, your fertilizer and then give it that same cycle again after you've fertilized you know that will just ensure that you don't do any damage with with fertilizing a dry plant it's going to really take up uh, that solubilized fertilizer really quickly once you start applying water um, and sometimes that can do damage to that new growth particularly that's already pushed on that tree good advice we appreciate uh Let's see, we, we really struck a nerve uh, when we hit weeds. We've got Daisy on the line now who wants to join <laughs> the conversation. And uh, how may we help you? Hi, I have a little eight-pound uh, chihuahua that uses our little backyard for uh, her business. I need to know what kind of weed killer 
can I use that would be safe for her? Or how long do I have to keep her out of the yard before, um, after I, I spray? Well, that's a really good question. And you can buy some organic type weed killers that are already prepared with things like citrus oils and vinegars and those types of things. If, if that's a concern and, or you're sensitive to those things or you have lots of pets. Um, otherwise, just make sure that you keep her obviously away from that while you're applying the herbicide. And I would, I would say until you start to see the foliage kind of curling up and drying up and dying. So maybe, again, depending on what you use, uh, at least 24 to maybe 48 hours, something like that. And I will tell you one brand particular, they have been uh, a, a garden partner of Spring Partner Rosie on the House for years, but Bonide okay. has a product called Burnout. All right. And it has, like you said, uh, it's citric and acid and clove oil. And you'll spray it before you're done with the tank. You I can go back to where you salad. start. <laughs> and, <laughs> And you can already see the leaves dying. Okay. I mean, whatever it does, I mean, it, it kills that. Well, who carries who carries that? Where is she at? Instantly. Uh, it says Northeast Valley. Um, so I would probably do Summer Winds on Bell and is that 50 just north, Avenue? Just north of Bell and Tatum or Bell and 59th Avenue. Yeah. So. Yep. There it, you go. It's called Burn Out and it is uh, labeled people and pet safe. So yeah. you can, you can, I will say one Little disclaimer, though. It has a very strong aroma, and I can't spray it on an empty stomach. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, some of those, if there's a little bit of wind or drift, make sure you know which way it's blowing and keep your mouth closed. Yeah. It, <laughs> I was thinking for a second it made you hungry. <laughs> I'm like, uh, well, maybe not. No, it makes me a little nauseous. I don't yeah. know what it is, but it's hmm. got such a strong well, cloves are pretty aroma. Cloves pretty strong. Yes, cloves can get. If, if I'm on an empty stomach or I've only had coffee that morning and I don't have something to soak it up, I'll be a little jittery. Okay. <laughs> but it works great, and I use it. That's what I use around um, all the citrus. You know, I'll use the glyphosates and the roundups in the flat area uh-huh. where we're not planting anything. But when it comes to inside the orchard, I switch it all to, okay. to burn out. Yeah. So there you go. We appreciate the call and good luck, uh, making sure you've got your little, uh, I, I, I did not catch the chihuahua. chihuahua. I think was, yeah. I think that's what, yeah. Keeping your little chihuahua habitat. They're so low to the ground, they could soak up a lot of herbicide <laughs> just walking through. Want <laughs> to be careful with that. Well, thanks, Mr. Harper, spending your Saturday morning with us. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight as we go into our home improvement hour.